Welcome to the Reckoning Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Max. And my name is Steven. He's our guest for today. He's actually a major in uh, electrical engineering. Yeah, he's a pretty interesting fellow over here. We have quite a bit to talk about today. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about um, mine shafts and spelunking, stuff like that. Yeah, and also we're probably going to do a little bit of the safety, but we're more going to start with our stories and our experiences doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach, or not Zach, that's me. Um, Steven, actually, uh, he's really interested in spelunking and caves and underground stuff. So uh, what what were you saying earlier about like you just feel more comfortable underground? Oh, yeah. So like I've always had people ask, like, would you be a thousand feet flying? Like falling from the sky, or would you be 1,000 feet stuck in the ground? And I would much rather be stuck 1,000 feet in the ground. I feel, I feel more, you know, I don't have to worry about falling. I don't have to worry about getting splashed. I, I mean, I know oxygen is a problem, but other than that, I feel more comfortable being stuck on your ground around rocks. That's cool. There's a lot of people that, like, like, there's claustrophobia, and a lot of people have it, but then there's a lot of people that, like, just like the idea of exploring caves and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. My experience is I also enjoy being underground. It gives you like a surreal feeling almost. And it, yeah. makes, you, it makes you feel small compared to the world. Yeah, it really does. But uh, I don't know. what Stephen, you want to tell us your story about caves? Well, I've only been inside of sewers. For I used to live nearby in old Galveston in Clear Lake. And they have a huge sewer system down there. Or um, mediocre. And I used to go with my dad and my brother and we went inside of one of those and it took a while we got very far and took a little twist and turns but we got to this point when it came to a very uh, cylindrical shaft that went straight up to the surface and there were these three other pipes that went across and it was really nice going in hearing the water drip and just the darkness essentially because we would shine our flashlight down the tunnels and then we just see pitch dark and this is kind of compared to like going inside of a cave and it kind of gives that same feeling that I've been told by you guys that you guys want to talk about that. Yeah, I would say our biggest experience, uh, me and Zach have actually gone on quite a few spunking ex- uh, adventures. I Expeditions, say. yeah. Expeditions and gone through a lot of old mine shafts. Uh, we're, that was up in Colorado and uh, part of my hometown called Gold Basin, which was an area where a lot of gold mining in the 18 and 1900s took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our probably, uh, I wouldn't say best experiences, but most most notable yeah. would be the time that we repelled down that vent shaft in one of the mine shafts. Yes, we did. So what we did actually to start it out was we set up a car up top on a slope so that it wouldn't have any chance of rolling forward. And then we tied a uh, rope to the front bumper and we used that to repel down into the shaft. Now, let me interject here. And this is not a normal car. This was a rock crawler and yeah. we tied off to a uh, bull bar and not just a bumper. So any of you guys out there think it's dangerous? It was a full yeah. rail, roll cage. Yeah, full body roll cage. We tied off to the front stinger that was like two inch pipe. Yeah, so don't, we're not, don't tie off to your car bumper is what we're saying. Yeah, do not do that. We are not condoning any of this. Yeah, and if you get hurt, don't come back blaming us. There's, there's, there's your, your, your injuries are on you. Yeah, they're, they're, now that we have that covered. Well, actually, can I uh, ask a question? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm no, I'm no Boy Scout, but like, what type of knot would you guys use? Because like, I only know like the square knot. Granny knot. <laughs> All right, so uh, what is it called? The double figure eight is how I tie most of my knots. Mm-hmm. And those are all for safety, and then you always put a safety knot after that. I don't know my knot no terminology very well, but I do know how to tie them. And then, uh, but double figure eight is how I tie almost every knot related to humans, like holding up human life, Mm -hmm. because that knot is pretty much impossible to break, especially with the safety knot. But it's also pretty reasonably easy to take off once you unload the knot. So that's my go-to knot to tie. 
Yeah, I was actually a Boy Scout too, but knot tying was not one of my strong suits, so I don't remember like any of the terminology. I remember how to tie like a basic square knot and maybe a bowline if I could use it for a couple of minutes and figure it out. But yeah, I don't remember the exact knot, but yeah, that figure eight knot is what we used. I know. I, I think every time we've ever gone out, I think I just kind of put myself in charge of doing all the yeah. rigging because, I mean, not only my life, but others are at risk. And I yeah. And I trust Max to do that. And I say I'm very meticulous when it comes to that. So that that's be safe out there and do your research before you do anything. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Make sure and make sure before you just drop yourself down into a mine shaft that you look, because there are a lot of those that have like dangerous things just chilling at the bottom of them. Yeah. I and if you fall, I mean, there's uh, oh, don't fall. Yeah. But, I mean, we can actually, let's start with that. Let, before we tell our stories, let's go over what you should do before yes, you decide I to agree. enter a hole in the ground. So, first off, decide, you know, use your obvious, is it vertical, horizontal, at an angle? Like, so we'll start with doing a vertical hole because that is probably one of the most difficult because you actually need gear. So, if you come up to a hole, you want to first find out how safe the area is around it, how stable the ground is, all that. Then after that, once you designated the area as like safe ground you want to figure out how deep the hole is now you can do that a couple of ways you can toss the rock and listen and then do the calculations and all that bull crap which if you do it right does work but does don't assume you know do throw run rock and you, you think oh it's got to be like 100 feet or something yeah. make sure you actually know because if you run out of rope that's a problem and if you do do calculations like that make sure you have twice the amount of rope that you think you're going to need. Yeah, that's always a good is try to go twice the amount of rope. Uh, the other thing is if you can, like, drop a flare, but be careful dropping a flare. I'd actually suggest using a glow stick over a flare because mm -hmm. gas does build up in mines. Or, well, in our case, mine shafts. We do because there weren't very many natural caves we were from, a lot more mine shafts. But I would suggest dropping a flare or a uh, glow stick and just see if you can see it with, don't get close to the hole, though. Yeah. You know, if it, it depends on all, all the situations. But, I mean, if you've got a camera or something, or if you've got a drone, mm -hmm. I mean, that would actually, we've never used one, but that would be a very good way to tell. Yeah, it would. Now, it, once all that, once you got that all figured out, then another trick, too, is you can tie, like, a rock to a rope and throw the rock down there. And then once you'll know when the rock hits the ground, I mean, you get a, get a heavy one. Mm -hmm. And then mark where there does on the rope, pull it back up, and measure the rope. That's, yep. that's another good way to figure out your depth. Now... To actually figure it out what's below you to make sure you're not dropping into like something you don't want to, I would suggest rigging up yourself, and I would do who's ever the most experienced climber or experienced in the, the field. I wouldn't say climber because you don't have to be a climber to do this. Yeah, but, you don't do a whole lot of actual rock climbing Yeah, when you're I, rappelling into mine shafts. But what I would do, what I do is, you know, get rigged up, get like... Get, like, let's say get completely set up like you're going to go in the hole, but just go over it and just see what you can see. 90% of the time, you'll be able to see the bottom. Even it might be dusty, but just let the dust settle, sit there for a minute, and then look to see what you're looking at. Now, make sure you have your tied off. Let's talk about tying off. So tie off to something that's not going to move. That's your biggest yep. thing right there. Make sure you have something like a rock crawler. Not everybody's going to have a rock crawler, but make sure it is something solid yeah i mean you're literally putting your life on that like a tree would work as long as i mean if you have like a hundred year oak tree yeah go for it now if you have this little ass aspen tree or something mm -hmm. don't go for it yeah. i mean do, if you even have any thought that it's not going to hold it don't do it yeah but 
another decent one is if you have like a truck, you can tie off to the rear axle, tie around the axle tube, not not something small hanging off a tire yep. all the way around the tube. That's a pretty good grab. Or you can uh, uh, you can tie off the front axle if you have a solid front axle. If you don't, I wouldn't suggest doing that, but you can. Mm-hmm. But, I wouldn't suggest doing that. Yeah, do not tie off to something like the front bumper, though, because those are not mounted very solid on most cars. Yeah. Now, if you really can, if you're a good climber, you you probably won't even be taking advice from us in the first place for rigging off, but you can use the... Uh, uh, well, what are they even called? The cam system ones that pop into rocks. Oh, yep. I think they are cams, actually, is yeah. what they're called. Yeah, the you can use those if you have good grabs there, and it depends on where you're at and geographically. But mm-hmm. that just make sure you talk to something that's going to hold you. I'm not going to go super into depth, but I mean, use your common sense out there, people. Come on. Yeah. And then once you tie off, I do a double figure eight knot tie off with safety knot. First rope, second rope, talk to a different spot. Same same knot, same safety knot, and then run that down. Now harnesses, I use construction harnesses for roofing and then i also, i have a couple of those but then i actually have rock climbing harnesses mm-hmm. both are pretty good uh, then you need atcs air traffic controls so you can slide down <clears throat> getting up it all depends on your uh, geography so let's say it's a straight vertical hole when you have no grabs then i would suggest throwing down a third rope and uh, tying knots in the rope so you can actually have something to climb back up mm-hmm. or if you have a uh, uh, people up there, you can have them pull you back up, but make sure you actually keep up with your ATC. So if you, let's say they fall or something happens, you know, you're going to get caught. Yep. Uh, the safety rope should be manned by, uh, if you, you can do it yourself, but I suggest putting that on another experienced person to man the safety rope just in case you do fall and the ATC doesn't catch you. The safety rope will catch you. Now, when you're actually repelling the gear, I always use is a hard hat or a helmet, but Preferably the the hard hats that wrap around your chin are probably that's my go to because I have well the full brim ones because it keeps the rocks once they hit your head not to get in your face because rocks will fall on you. That well, that's oh a yeah. Hey Max, what you uh, or Zach if he has even if you wear a hard hat would you also want to wear other things on your head like a like some cloth over? Well, I normally I normally it depends on the weather. I some a lot of times will like wear a hoodie underneath and I will put the hood up and. Uh, if we're in a warm climate, though, I'll probably just wear the hard hat. And uh, and then I always wear a vest, too. And the vest I got has got pretty good padding just because you bump into rocks on the way down. You don't want to, you know, hit your ribs on something and, yeah. you know, get hurt or anything. Uh, shoes, wear good shoes. I mean, don't be wearing sandals or anything. Wear long pants, too. Always. Never go down something like a mine shaft with shorts because you will probably doing a lot of sliding. Yeah. yeah Zach, didn't you uh, once tell me that you got, like, really cut badly or was that... That was uh, actually mixed. Yeah, I got some pretty... We'll talk about my bad experiences later and why you should not trust people that are inexperienced. But we'll, we'll talk about that later because yeah. let's talk about the safety part first. Real quick, another thing about that clothing thing you were talking about. Um, when you're going down a mine shaft like that, you will kick up dirt and dust just from putting your feet on the side and slowly lowering yourself down. So make sure, especially if it's like just a vent that goes straight down, that you have like a bandana or an old t-shirt or something to wrap around your mouth. So you're not constantly breathing in or, dirt. Otherwise it gets really hard to breathe or a respirator or, or a dust respirator. Mask, yeah. The real things to use, but in a pinch you can use a shirt or a bandana, but I yeah. would suggest a respirator or dust mask at least. Um, <clears throat> other thing too, you will have rocks falling on your head when you're going down the hole. Cause the ropes try. Okay. So if you can really set it up, try to get the ropes, uh, 
directly above the hole, but that doesn't always work. And you'll sometimes have to put them on the side of the hole. And when the ropes move, they're going to kick down rocks. I mean, wear a hard hat or a helmet because they will come, be coming down. Now, once you're going down, be very cautious of everything around you. We were up in the mountains where it's solid rock, so we weren't too worried anything about cave-ins or any of that. All the rocks very hard. Um, but if you're in an area where you question the rock, don't do it because, I mean, it, hap it does happen. When you disturb rock that hasn't been moved, that's been tampered with hundreds of years ago and then has been sitting dormant, you know, mm -hmm. you, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, if it looks like it could have the potential of caving in or causing any kind of damage that could hurt you, do not go into it. Yeah, I mean, if you can grab the side of the rock and it crumbles, don't go in. I mean, use your common sense. Now, let's say the rock is hard and as you're going down, make sure you look in what's underneath you. Um, you won't, you're looking for anything that's going to stab you when you get down because stuff falls down those holes. People, hoodlums, all of them get out there and throw crap down, throw mm -hmm. washing machines. I think we saw one time. Yep. Just, you know, you're going to be landing on stuff that's been falling down the hole for 150 years or so, or however long that hole's been there. So watch out for that. Now, once you get to the bottom, uh, radios, two way radios, it depends on the situation, but those normally work pretty well. I mean, we use UV, UHV radios. Mm -hmm. And uh, those those work pretty good. I mean, especially like just from the top to the bottom. It and you can I mean if it's not that deep, you can call out by by uh, just by word. But a radio is really good to have, especially if you have two people going out of the hole. A radio is a good thing to have. Now yeah, once 100%. you get once you get down there, make sure you have flashlights for days. I mean, flashlights are super important because when you're going down. 50 or 100 feet into a mine shaft, that light's not going to reach the whole way, especially because once you get down to the bottom, all the light's just going to be shining on one central point. It's not going to go into the branches on the sides. Yeah, it's like I normally wear a headlight. I keep two extra flashlights in my pocket, and then I use that one really bright flashlight. Mm -hmm. I have the one, the LED one where you can slide it out. Yep. Those those work very well and make sure they're, they're charged and you have batteries. Uh, another thing to have too would be nice is like a roll of bandages because those just come in handy for anything. Yeah, just in case you happen to cut yourself bad enough that you need to stop bleeding or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, and at that point, don't don't keep going. You know, fix yourself and head back out. Yeah. Like, it's nothing down there is going to happen. Like, no, you're gonna nothing's gonna happen that you're gonna miss down there. It's still gonna be there when when you get, if you come back or whatever and you yep. get hurt. And uh, on that note of also repelling down and rocks falling, I just thought of this when you are. At the bottom, if you have multiple people going down and you're the first one down or the second one down and more people are coming down, make sure you get out of the way of the central vent because they will be dropping some sizable rocks down. The other thing, though, is don't if you're the first one down, don't go adventuring. Yeah. Wait till the second person gets down at least. Yep. Uh, you, you don't want to get lost because, I mean, some of these places get very confusing once you're underground. Yeah. They it's can hard. go for miles. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, we've been in some, too, where, like, you're, you've gone through like four or five different crawlways and all this, and now you're in another area where like it spiders out. And you, I mean, it's a new area to you, and it's, you can get lost down there. I'm being totally honest. So you make sure you, you travel in pairs and remember your landscape if once you get down there. But would you, um, <clears throat> you and uh, would you guys prefer to use any type of equipment or tool to mark where to go, like how to get back? Well, <sighs> I've never done that, but the uh, if if I were to ever do a very large one, I'd almost suggest doing a rope. And yeah. Like, like or, you tie it off to the central point, and then yeah, you like unwind a, it as you walk. Yeah, or even like fishing line. Yeah. I, I probably when you like paracord or something. Yeah, just something that is thick enough for you to track back and won't get cut on rocks or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, and just track your way back because some of these do get pretty confusing, and having a way out is the most important thing. 
Uh, the second thing that you probably should have, depending on where you're at, is a gas meter. Because uh, gases do build up in mine shafts, especially when there's no side vents to blow air mm-hmm. through the top vents. So having a gas meter with you, it depends on what type of mine you're actually at and your geography. But having a gas meter with you is a good thing to have. Another thing, too, if you're going into a mine that used to mine like uranium, first off, I wouldn't even suggest doing it. Second off, if you do, make sure you bring a, a Geiger counter because... Yep. That's another thing you got to watch out for. But gas meter, I would highly suggest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing about that, too, is if you start to feel yourself get lightheaded or nauseous or dizzy at all, turn back immediately and get out. Yeah. Yeah. Gas meter, though, that's probably one of the most important things to have. If you're going into any mine that, uh, especially like in the old days, there was unregulated, too. So they were allowed to use pretty harsh chemicals down there. So. You just got to watch out. The gas meter is good to have lights, have lights. Cause I mean, I swear to God, I don't know how many times I've been in a dang hole and my flashlight has stopped yep. working. Have I mean, a backup for your backup. Yeah. I always keep two backups with me because I don't know how many times I've had, you know, one or two flashlights and always, they always go out when I'm actually needing yep. them. And on the way down, you might whack the first one against something and it might quit working. So you always want to just make sure to have a couple backups. I keep a headlight two spare smaller flashlights and one larger flashlight. And that's normally my go-to when I do this. Um, when you uh, head down the mine shaft, does it ever get like really hot or cold? Like if you wear the gear, of course you said long jeans and I, I assume long shirts as well, but is there like a certain fabric you'd want to wear to stay cool or do you like to carry a lot of water? Well, hydrated? Down, down typically once you get about six to 10 foot under, it's going to be 60 degrees. Yeah, it's pretty constant yeah, most of the time. Yeah, so I've never had problems getting too hot or too cold. I mean, it's 60 degrees is a little chilly, but I always wear... Normally, I wear uh, like a like a hoodie jacket but mm-hmm. I, or a long-sleeve uh, thick shirt, and then I put a vest over it. Just because I personally like the vest because when you bump into rocks and stuff, it doesn't like hit your ribs and stuff. And because that hurts. I mean, if you hit, land on your ribs against a rock or you get like... When you're going down a hole repelling, I mean... You can control yourself somewhat, but I mean, not not all the way. I mean, if you hit a rock, bounce off and hit another rock or so. But yeah, for your foot slips and you just go towards a rock, it can mess your day up real quick. But that's my that's my suggestions if you're going to do this and do your research. Find out what hole you're going into, what it was used for, and look up articles online. Ninety percent of the time, you'll be able to find pretty good stuff about it. Yeah, right now I'm actually on a website called Western Mining History, and in just in the town of Gunnison, there's thousands of mines out there and this actually will list every single mine list who uh was owned who owned the mine and also yeah who owned the claim and also uh what they were mining like this one actually gold basin uh i have elevation at 8701 feet and their primary mineral was gold and silver that they were looking for so there's not really going to be much hazards with gold and silver mining yeah yeah just watch out because you can sometimes run across arsenic and stuff but Mm -hmm. it's it's more unlikely where we're from, but just be careful. Like, use your judgment. But I think I think that's a pretty good safety talk. And we're not professionals. That's just our by opinion. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean that's just what we do. You know, if you go out and get hurt doing what we said, that's not our fault because you're an idiot. So yeah, that's all. That's that's what we're getting at. If you're if you explored really far in and you get really tired, hey Zach, how would how would you how would you suggest coming up out of a vertical shaft? Like, would you take your time? Like. Is yeah. it possible to even get out? Would you call for help if you're extremely exhausted? Well, so what you want to do is you want to make sure you always have at least one person up top. I'd just, say at least two, yeah, to be at, honest. Yeah, just for safety reasons. And so if you get too tired to actually pull yourself up, 
you either can go super slow, just one foot at a time, take breaks, or what you can do is you can actually have those two guys up at the top pull you up. Well, what my what my suggestion, like, I think the uh, if you on the safety rope, you can uh, have whoever controlling can actually pull you up, but make sure that one person is still manning the dang. Uh, it depends on what you what you're using to actually control the rope, but may, if you're tying a knot, which you can do, uh, like a slip knot to. Uh, it's not actually called a slip knot, and I don't really know what the knot's called. I just know how to tie it. But the knot where you pull to one side, it lets it go, and you pull the other side, it stops. Yeah. That's the easy way, or you can get another ATC. Mm-hmm. But uh, make sure somebody's still controlling that in case you fall. Yeah. You're still going to get caught by that rope. But yep. having people pull you up that way definitely will help. Uh, my, although my, if you have any concerns, uh, t- t- throwing a rope down that has knots tied into it is a big plus yeah, because can, it's pretty much like having a ladder to help you climb up yeah i mean it, it's still difficult but you're under no time rush at least in as long as it's not an emergency if it's an emergency just have the guys at the top at least try to pull you out make sure you know they're physically up to the task when you plan this out like mm-hmm. this takes planning don't do it just like on a whim like hey you find a hole let's go in this hole that's yeah. that's dangerous but if you find a hole scope it out find what it's used for and look up online. Look up all. There's a. There's. I guarantee you, online. There's a bunch of stuff and forums about doing this. Yep. Make sure you get all the gear before you decide to go into a hole. If you find one, go into town, grab what you need, and you can come back the next day. Or if you go out early and you find a mine, you can come back that day. Just make sure you do research and you get the gear. Yeah. The other thing, make sure you're on either your own land or public land. Don't yep. be going into private people's land. Yeah. People do not generally appreciate it when they see bunch of kids running around on their land or even adults just running around on their land going into mine shafts yeah so make sure yeah make sure you're on blm or public land or something before you even attempt any of this but i mean you'll be trespassing anyway to find it so you know don't trespass but all right you want to get into talking about uh oh that one that we did up on in gold basin yeah that, that which was probably the most uh prevalent experience i've had with it yeah for sure so what happened was we found that mine shaft actually like what was it a week before we went down it that first time i did i didn't even say it was longer than a week because we found it we thought it was cool we probably came back either the next week or two weeks later and then we scoped it out a lot more we actually brought gear that time Mm -hmm. but uh that's actually where one of my uh safety concerns i guess you could say oh yeah came up with uh, a not so making sure you can trust your people yeah and making sure they know what to do and i'll get into that story later but the first time was a pretty much a failure uh i called it off and then we went back a second time with different people and we did a successful explorer yep. splunk i don't yeah, know what you splunk. call it so okay. yeah. yeah so after we uh got uh tied off to the front of the rock crawler roll cage we got the harnesses on made sure they were tight i had max check mine to make sure they were tight because he knew more about those harnesses than i did and uh then we hooked up all the ropes made sure everything was tight so it wouldn't slip did a couple tug tests and made sure the ropes were secure against the side of the mine shaft so that they weren't going to move when we say tug (coughs) tug tests we mean like Full body weight. Oh, yeah. Plus, like, and make sure there's... Also, check your ropes before you do this. Don't be going into your grandpa's garage and picking up a rope from 40 years ago that's, yeah, like that's crusty dry. when you move. Yeah. Yeah, don't... Make sure you're using good climbing gear. Yeah, don't be using... Fresh ropes. Yeah. 
Yeah, make sure. Yeah, they have a time. They have they expire. Climbing ropes do. Oh yeah. Yeah, make sure you you're using real climbing ropes that are certified to do what you're doing. Yeah, and when you when you throw the rope over the edge, make sure it's not gonna get stuck on like a sharp rock or anything that could cut the rope because that would be very bad when you're halfway down the shaft. Yeah, biggest thing is if you have like a chunk of rubber or something, mm-hmm. rubber matting, that's that's a pretty good thing to use yep. right there. Now, when we did it, there was a dirt pile there, so we knew nothing was going to get cut. We checked. We dug around the dirt pile a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it was on soft dirt, so it wasn't going to cut get cut on it wasn't anything. too soft though like it like sunk in it, it just it was, ran across yeah. the dirt yeah at least that that time it was just little chunks of gravel yeah the the best thing you could honestly probably do is set up two vehicles across from mm-hmm. each other and then set up uh not a pulley but uh like a carabiner out the, the very middle of it so you yep. have ropes rubbing against nothing but it happens and it's not that big of a deal but make sure they're not rubbing against sharp rocks or sticks or branches or something that might actually damage the rope yeah so after we got all that done, I got my harness on. We got the ATC, and I don't remember if we described what an ATC is, but I'll go ahead and do it. So an ATC is just a mechanical device that clamps onto the rope so that when you squeeze onto it, it can move freely up and down the rope. So as you're working yourself down the rope and back up the rope, you'll go down, and then you'll squeeze it, move it down, and then you'll go down a couple more, kick down a couple more feet, and you'll squeeze it moving down, and you just do that until you get to the bottom. Um... So we got that all hooked on, made sure that wasn't going to have any problems, and then I went down. And I started going down. I made it about 10 feet down before I realized that I was kicking up so much dust that I couldn't barely breathe. And so uh, Max actually threw me down something. I don't remember what it was exactly. It was like an old T-shirt or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that. like a shirt. I can't remember the shirt or bandana, but it was yeah. something. So he, he tossed that down to me, and somehow I caught it. I don't, I don't know how, but um, so I caught that, put it around my face, and kept going. And I, the entire time, I kept looking down to make sure I wasn't going to hit anything, making sure I had a good foothold before I moved the ATC at all. And uh, finally worked down, got myself to the bottom. And then I was down there for about five or ten minutes while they were up top debating who was going to go down next. And uh, Max ended up being the only other one that actually ended up going down that day because nobody else wanted to. And so when Max started going down, this is where my safety thing about moving out of the way of the central shaft comes from because I did not do that. And uh, when Max started going down, he started dropping rocks, but there was, a, there was a shaft next to me that just went straight, and I was able to go into that and get out of the way of the falling rocks. Um, and so he was working his way down, and I don't know exactly what he experienced, but he can tell you that right now. Yeah, uh, coming down, the, the worst for me would be the rocks coming on your head. Small rocks, just from getting kicked up by the rope and just moving, uh, mo- moving down. I mean... The, the hole is weathered, so it's not perfect. So, they, I mean, rocks get kicked down. People walking up there, they can kick rocks down. I mean, it happens. Like, you just, you just got to deal with it. But wear a hard hat or a helmet. But a hard hat's preferred, because uh, one with a full brim, because they bounce the rocks out instead of just avoiding your head. But uh, once you, like, coming down, it depends on what kind of ATC you have. Some you can just squeeze, and they'll slide down, which are the nice ones. Some you have to squeeze and then take your weight off, and they'll slide down, which are more of the safety-oriented ones. Um, but once you get slide down, uh, once you get to the very bottom, you know, give the old tug to the safety rope so the guy can stop working, and or radio up or call up, depending on your situation. And uh, in, this, in this case... Uh, I think we just yelled up because it was the hole was about a hundred foot deep. Yeah, um, and it was hard rock, like we said, so it echoed really well. Yeah, so I think we just yelled up, and we also had radios at the top and bottom. We double communicated with radios too, 
And once we got down there, then, uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me, uh, we kept in radio contact with them, which actually did surprisingly well for being underground. It did. Um, so we were using uh, the Beofang radios, so mm-hmm. not even expensive radios, and they were doing pretty good. Yeah, they're like $40 radios on Amazon, little handheld ham radios. Yeah, and uh, uh, <coughs> you can, uh, and then, so we ventured down to the one crevice, and it just opened up to a, a, like a hole or something, but it was, it, it had, it, it was so, it was just so run down, you know, there was nothing you could do, but the other side, you can start, you can tell a story on the other side, the other side was cool. Yeah, so the other side, so like you said, we got down there, just two ways you could have possibly gone. As you were facing the car that was on top, uh, to the left was just a shaft that dropped down a couple feet. Um, that was the one I actually hit in when Max was coming down, so I didn't get rocks hitting me, hitting my arms, and uh, that one went, I don't know, like 15 feet or something before it dead-ended. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, 15, 20 feet. Yeah, before it hit a dead end. and So we, we went down looked around that way. There were a couple, like, broken bottles and stuff down there. Yeah, probably just people throwing stuff down a hole. I mean, you yeah. find a big hole. And, like, I mean, this was, uh, I'd say the hole is probably about 8 foot by 8 foot. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a decent-sized hole. And then there was a dirt pile next to it where they had been just, you know, cleaning it out. It's an old dirt pile from when they used to operate. But yeah. you can't miss it. Once you get up on it, you can totally see it. But it's it was kind of secluded. You couldn't see it from anywhere, from oh, any yeah. roads. Until you were, like, right next to it, you didn't even know it was there. Yo, I'm going to be honest. I think we found this one on Google Earth. You're right. I yeah. think we did. Because you can't see it from any road. You actually have yeah. to walk up along a fence line. And the fence line, the other side's private property. Mm-hmm. And then on that side of the fence line, which is BLM which is public yeah uh you you can get to the hole so i'm sure some people know about it but it, you can't see it from the road so there wasn't mm-hmm. too much stuff in it like some of the other ones we found but. yeah but so after we explored that just like 15 foot dead end tunnel we started walking back to the other side and the other side was really cool because it actually opened up into a natural like cavern that was under there super it was like an unreal experience it made you feel so small oh yeah it really did it was like 40 foot tall walls and they were slanted so when you were walking you were like leaning against the left hand wall and it was just dipping and it wasn't only slanted but as it went up it curved back straight and almost inverted like you almost couldn't see the top Mm -hmm. yeah it was a really cool experience and i don't exactly remember how far back that cave went uh it went pretty far i mean we probably walked Oh, uh, oh, eighty to hundred foot, and yeah. then it start, and then that that uh, that natural crevice started to wean off. The actual mm-hmm. main shaft had so much uh, uh, like rock and stuff from up top, packed it full, so you couldn't actually get back to the original mine that yep. it operated. But you could go through the side shafts that were still open. Yeah, so we went and explored that. We were down there for what thirty minutes. Yeah, I'd have to say 30 to 45. We yeah. were down there for quite we were, a while. We were down there for a good time. It, w- it was cool, and the only thing is it's so hard to take pictures because, well, we don't have any good camera gear, first yeah. off. I mean, just our cell phones. Also, take a dang cell phone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, secondly, yeah, make sure it's charged. Uh, but, yeah, and we, we took some photos with just our iPhones, the old ones, and, you know, you know how that is, especially, you know, with a flashlight and trying to do flash. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, none of the pictures are very good, but, I mean... No, they did not do that thing justice. No, that it was such a cool because the rock too was red, which yeah. is weird for Colorado. Yeah, it was a it was really cool looking rock. Yeah, it was like a deeper red and then like a more brown color, yeah. and it was almost like a clay look to it. Like yeah, a pet, like uh, 
sedimentary. What would that be called? Yeah, it's a sedimentary rock. It's a clay. Yeah. If it's a clay. I don't think it was a clay, but... I don't know. Well, there's not was, much clay in Colorado, so I no. wouldn't think so, but it almost looked like clay. Yeah. Uh, was it a very colorful type of rock? Like, it had different layers and colors in it? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was definitely sedimentary, and it had a red color to it, like the, the red base color to it. Yeah. So it was probably just something that was iron-rich. Just that, yeah, there. you're you're probably right with the, right with the Iron Rich. That makes sense. But I, I just remembered uh, doing a little article uh, over uh, our geology and certain uh, metamorphic rocks, especially where basically um, sometimes sometimes gems, especially igneous rock, mm-hmm. actually has a hard coating around it as a layer, and actually shows different colors. Like most of the main colors are actually is red and yellow, and if you go, if you can crack past that, which is like the hardest part, you can actually get igneous rock. Like. That's cool. The actual. Yeah, I say he's probably the guy to talk to because uh, Zach over here is a geology major. Yeah, I actually did not know that. So that is actually a really cool fact to know. And that that, that kind of bums me out being a geology major that I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we could talk. Uh, do you want to talk about the bad experience that I had? Yes, there? I would like everybody to hear this bad experience. All right. <clears throat> All right. So the uh, the first time we went up there, when we first were kind of scoping, we had gear with us. Um, so how we, so I didn't want to climb back up being a little lazy. So one of my buddies had a winch on his, uh, on his Jeep. So we had him park on the other side. And what we did was, uh, so we tied off the same way the first, they were like what we explained earlier, but we added a winch and another rope. And how we did this is I just had a second rope attached to me to the harness, uh, and, uh, attached it to it was only like a 10 foot section of rope and then i attached it to a carabiner to a, a winch like a winch off of a truck and so what we're doing is i was just going to get above the hole just to scope it out and see how deep it is and actually answer some of the questions we had but so i got i got all geared up got all the ropes tested i mean i was ready to go like i mean if i wanted to go down i could have gone down i mean the ropes were good and all we we're doing was taking slack out of the uh taking slack out of the winch and i'm not going to name any names but uh one of the people that was there who was controlling the winch uh we were just taking slack out of him. i told him to stop because the slack had been taken out and he didn't stop and he didn't stop and he didn't stop and it slowly pulled me all the way into the hole and actually swung from the other side down into the side of the wall which didn't feel very good i cut all my knuckles up like cut part of my arm against the sharp rock it wasn't a good experience and i was not in a good mood after that i could tell you that and i gave the person who did that a pretty good talking to which not only that but now i'm looking down into an unknown hole at the same time i think i'm falling I, it wasn't a very good experience for me yeah just, and from there you couldn't see the bottom either could you no it was so dark i didn't i wasn't ready i had no flashlight mm-hmm. nothing so i'm looking into a dark hole below me that i don't know anything about yep. and and i'm dealing with all the pain from swinging into a wall oh i was not very happy and then yep. the other guys they uh, they pulled me back up there and they let the winch back out so i could get to the side again and uh, we we called it a day, and then that guy was not there the uh, time we went down there. So just that, I mean, that, that right there is proof. You need to trust the people you're with, and they need to know what they're doing. Just because they say they know what they're doing, make sure they know what they're doing. Yep. Make it's, sure you've worked with them before at least. And I know, like I know, I mean, you you meet somebody and they say they can do all this. Just make sure they can actually do that. You know, what if you go rock climbing or something? Something a lot more. Uh, you know, if something goes wrong, it's a little easier to take care of and make sure they actually know what they're doing or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my bad experience. I've had a couple, but that's the most notable one. Yep. All right. So do you want to talk about the other mine shaft we went down? Uh, the one with the Hortler, the, 
the slanted yeah, slant, entrance. Yeah, yeah, slanted entrance. That that one that one was probably the coolest one to date I think we've ever been in. Yeah, that one for sure was awesome because you could j- literally just pull up and it was it was a it was a slope, but it wasn't so steep that you like couldn't get down it. Yeah, so, you, you didn't need any gear to get down yeah. it. You could you you had to. Uh, it wasn't very tall, so you couldn't walk down it. But if it was, if the ceilings were higher, you could. But you had to, you could like, you could slide on your butt, or you could like kind of half walk and slide. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad at all to go down. No, you just had all. to watch out for the ceiling. But once you got about halfway down, the ceiling opened up, and you could easily walk down. Oh it. yeah, it, it was it was nice. It was nice. Uh, was this the one that the miners used to use, or was this like some type of like transportation? Tunnel? I believe it was actually where they got the ore. Because uh, if you once we got in there, there was a uh, rail system, and it ended like it was ripped apart uh like it was ripped apart and half buried but it looks like where the carts used to come up to actually dump the ore but so that one similar we didn't get we didn't need to be totally geared up to get down that one but we still ran a safety rope (coughs) excuse me safety rope down the hole just in case and uh was uh i think it was me who went down that the first time yep Yes, it was. And I just slowly scooted down, checked the rock, checked my surroundings. And this one, once you got down, uh, about 50 or so feet, it was slanted. And once you got down there, you're probably about 20, foot, 20 30 foot underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the hole was, the entrance was on the side of a hill. So, like, the entrance was lower than the ground level. Um once you got down, it kind of opened up to this big room, and they had a vertical shaft right above. And the vertical shaft actually opened up, too, to the, to the top. And the problem was uh, there was crap thrown down. I think there was a fridge thrown down that I think way. there was, yeah. It yeah, was like it, a fridge or a dishwasher yeah, or something Yeah, and then there like was that. an old small block Chevy header, which I thought was interesting. Yep. And, uh, and a bunch of just trash and junk that, for some reason people decide to throw down holes because that's the thing to do but that one then it split both left and right and down the down was had the dang fridge in the way so you really couldn't get down that plus a bunch of dirt and then the left went down oh was it probably 30 or 40 feet opened up to like more of a room but Mm -hmm. it was dead ended there yeah but the other side went it it would that one was angled more down i'd say maybe 10 to 15 degrees down Yeah, it wasn't a super big slope but I'd say 150 foot long. Oh yeah, it Very went for a long, long way. It, it it or longer. I can't. I couldn't tell you. It's been a while since I've been there. But I'd say yeah. at least 150 foot uh, down. Yep. And, and it got to a couple of points where you actually had to duck to walk through it because the the ceiling did dip down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean these these are all hand dug. So this isn't explosives. This isn't machinery. It's all pickaxes. And it went all the way down and opened up to into a little room. But then there was another hallway that went down to the left and then that opened up and then it was another vertical or another uh like slanted shaft back the other way so Mm -hmm. it uh like traversed down and that one was pretty long too i mean i would have to say that one was probably 80 to 100 foot long yeah these were long shafts they went down for a white ways because they wanted to go as long as possible before having to turn again yeah so we you would walk all the way down that one and then so then once you got there was more of an opening down there pretty large i'd say probably 20 foot ceilings down there Mm mm-hmm and uh which makes me think too that was almost more uh, natural yeah like they found a natural opening 
And then you could look down and we actually had hit groundwater, so we couldn't go any further, but it was a pretty interesting sight because you'd look down at the crystal clear groundwater and you'd see the, the tracks from the rail car would go as, as far as you could see, uh, pretty, pretty steep. I'd say closer to like 30 to 45 degree angle. Yeah, it was definitely point. just meant for rail cars, not people. Yeah. Cause, and then the other way you could go, you could keep going and that also hit groundwater too, if you mm-hmm. went the other way. Uh, and, and it, there was probably another 20 foot after that too, but yep. that dead end into a room. Yeah, that did dead end. Yeah. But, the, and then, so we did all the math too. We were about 130 to 150 foot underground and, uh, uh, interesting. I think we had like a total of like 600 to 700 linear feet of shaft that we could actually explore, yep. which is for out where we are. That's crazy. I mean, there's very few shafts out there that big, mm-hmm. but that's probably one of the coolest just because of how open it was and how big it was yeah, and, and how much we could explore and how easy it was to get in. We didn't need gear. We like, yep. we didn't need climbing gear and all that. I mean, everything where you could do by foot and yep. rock was safe, everything. And that was, that was probably one of the coolest today. And we, uh, uh, we took a couple of people out there that were actually curious about exploring, give them their first experiences in mind. That was a very, uh, safe one to go to cause you didn't need any gear. You didn't need anything. You could just straight walk into it yep. and, of course, we had hard hats, vests, lights, all that stuff, but you didn't need full climbing gear. We always ran a safety rope down just in case, but you, you te- we never used it. It was just there in case. Yeah, it was just there in case like you needed to pull yourself out. So, Zach, would you, if you had a chance to ever go back there, would you go back there again and re-explore it? Yes, have, like, I would. A camera or I would, for sure. And I was actually interested. I wouldn't go far because I don't know what's down there. But it would be interesting to have like some kind of scuba gear or just a mask to help you see under the water and just like poke your head into that little hole just to see how far you can see it goes down. Well, I guess what the listeners don't know is you're a scuba diver. That is true. I am. I'm a certified scuba diver. I've been scuba diving since legally since I was 12 years old is when I got my scuba certification. But I've been diving since I was six with my parents. So just using my BC and using their extra oxygen that they had. Um, uh, if you're going to scuba dive inside of a cave, like where the water level had reached up, do you need like a special type of scuba diving gear or can you just use regular scuba diving gear? Typically you can use regular gear, but like my BC, I wouldn't use my BC that I use now just because it's more meant for like rescue diving. So it has a lot of width to it. I would want to get a BC that's very minimalist. That has very, it's very thin, just holds close to you. Um, and just make sure that you tie a rope off or something and you just always keep your orientation so you know which way is up. And if you're going to go into a cave, make sure you have enough oxygen because if you get down into a cave and cave diving is one of the sketchiest ways to do scuba diving. Um, but if you're going to get down there and you realize that you're running low on oxygen, it's not going to end up good because you have to make sure you have enough to get back to the surface. The Um, other one... Uh, yeah, that, that I honestly, I'm pretty skeptical about that. All yeah, already. that's why, that's why like, if I were to do that, I would go maybe less than 10 feet down that hole, or maybe I would literally just take a mask and look down in the water because that water is also super cold. It's, it's up in Colorado and hey, when, it should be 60 degrees. It should be a little bit colder it, than yeah, 60 it should, degrees. But 60 degrees is cold. So yeah. if you do that, you're going to want to make sure you have like a wetsuit, like a pretty decent wetsuit now mind you too we are that would be like 150 so feet underground and yeah. i i would i wouldn't condone it i would never suggest doing this yeah i mean unless you're like a full operation yeah but i would i you could never talk me into doing that i've never scuba dive with 
actual gear i've snorkeled and stuff but i would never even if i knew how to scuba dive i would not be doing that but i don't know the other one did you ever go out to uh to vulcan with us to the old vulcan mine i did now that one we never actually explored because they used arsenic as a as to help extract the gold so we never went out to that one because there still had they had quite a bit of acid mine drainage Mm -hmm. out there still and all the dirt was white and powdery and It, it it didn't seem it right. It would not have been good for our health. No. There was a couple place entrances we found, but we never decided to go in. But that one was much more well kept. And I feel like if we got the right gear, we could go do that one. But I'm very skeptical about that one, too. I am, too. Just because with it having the chemicals in it and stuff like that, I would not trust going into it unless I knew for sure that there was good oxygen down there and that we weren't going to have any problems and that we had an easy way out if we needed to. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And that mine is actually very large. That was one of the largest mines in Col- in the Gunnison area at the time. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, that mine, you could actually see down to the bottom of a lot of those because there were a few speckled really close to each other out there. Yeah. That you could see down to the bottom. And actually, those were uh, updated, too. They mm-hmm. actually had metal tubing that goes down with metal ladders. And yep. they actually, a couple of them had locks on top. A couple of them didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... But those those ones, I mean, lot different style. I mean, those are much. They, I think that mine closed in the 30s or 40s. I don't yeah. quote me. I could be totally wrong. But that was a lot, a lot. Uh, it had it had been and it's been updated too because that's a much larger mine in a much well known area. So mm-hmm. they try to keep tourists out yeah. and people who don't know what they're doing to get stuck in a mine. Yeah. And also, they used arsenic out there, and you can tell. I mean, you walk, it's it's everywhere. All yep. the dirt's different colors, and it's not natural different colors. No. I mean, pure white, and it's like crystallizing mm. on tops of it. It's, it's. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I do know they use arsenic out there, and not, uh, not, not my forte right there. Yep. And when we were talking earlier about these mines being really old, the mine, the first one we were talking about, was started. It was discovered in 1886, and that's when they started mining. The eight, 1886, yep. that's when it was? God dang it. I mean, that's been a, that's been a minute right yeah, there. Yeah, over 100 years. Yeah, over 140 years. Yeah, it's actually years. just about 150 almost. Yeah. Give it a few more years. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's something right there, a piece of history. And they actually did get quite a bit of gold out of the gold basin up there. Yeah, they did. There's another mine that they did, too, uh, in Gunnison, which was the uranium-231 mine. Mm-hmm. And but that one they completely covered with shale, which yep. was the right thing to do. They actually like a hundred feet or more of shale. It's actually more than a hundred feet in places. But really? they actually had to bury all of the heavy equipment because that was a newer mine. They actually it was after the forties because post World War Two, you know, at, when they found out uranium actually does stuff, the uh, they had a uranium. I believe it's uranium two thirty one out there, and. Uh, they had to, everything was so contaminated by the end, they actually buried all the brand new heavy equipment in. And then when they did the cleanup years later and covered the whole thing with shale, all the heavy equipment, newer heavy equipment they used to clean up all the shale was actually buried underneath of it too because of all of the, the iron from the, uh, uh, from the equipment was, had radioactive signals off of it. Yep. And uh, there's actually, you, when you drive past it, I mean, there's big signs saying radiation zone and all this. And then there's test areas around for the check and soil contamination. And that one's actually kept up with. And it's also near, <clears throat> a lot closer to the, I guess you could say civilization. It's only like 30, 30 minutes, about 20 miles away from town. Yep. Whereas some of these are like 40, 50 miles away. Oh, yeah. 
And the, the uranium mine, it's a giant, it's a giant field of shale. It is like 50 feet tall off the ground of shale. Yeah. If and you, it's stretches like 10 or 15 football field lengths. Oh, I, I, I won't go to say more. Yeah. It's gigantic. You it's look at it on Google Earth, huge. you can't even, it looks unreal. Like it's, it's crazy looking. Yep. They got barbed wire fence wrapped all the way around it with warnings everywhere stating what it is. Yeah. It, it's no secret. And you ask anybody in the town, actually, I know quite a bit of people who worked on it. Apparently, it paid very well to work out there, but I guess they definitely, at the time, I was talking to one guy who ran heavy equipment out there. Absolutely no, no, nothing. You could, no, uh, uh, PPE, I should say. Yeah, no personal protective gear. Yeah, and every day, though, they were ran down with Geiger counters by people in PPE, and that always made them worried, but they're still here today, so it could have been that much radiation exposure, but yeah, they ended up, they, I was talking to one guy who uh, worked, he worked as a mechanic up there, just an on-site mechanic for all the equipment, and he said he was constantly have to change radiators out to the electrolysis. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, they, they had to be experiencing quite a bit of radiation, but... I think this right here is probably probably long enough for for a podcast. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about this probably more later, but uh, this is definitely special. Thanks for uh, Stephen for coming out here, and he'll yeah, probably appreciate be in a it, man. Couple yeah, more. Thank you for everything. Oh, of course, man, and we'll, you'll probably be out here a couple more times to film some, uh, or not film, but record some uh, more interesting topics that you have. Yeah, you want to say anything else, Stephen? Before we before we stop. Well, no, I feel like listening to this podcast and hearing you guys talk, I feel more confident in my abilities to go scoop, uh, spelunking inside of cave mines. Yeah, I mean, we'd be happy to take you. I mean, we're probably the guys to go with, but, uh, you know. Uh, one more thing I want to add is don't peer pressure other people's into doing what they don't want to do yep. because that's right there how accidents happen. That is exactly how accidents happen because if somebody is nervous about doing something and they're actually worried about it, they're going to be less attentive to everything going on around them and they're more likely to create an accident. Yep. Right there. So I think I think I think that's it. I think uh, we'll, we'll call this a call yep. this a day. All right. So I'm Zach. I'm Max. My name's Stephen. And we're out.